0: to the Film for Fans podcast. I am your host Ryan Dunleavy joined in person by my co-host Rob Dunham.
1: Wow what a giant room (laughs) for a movie recording.
0: Oh yes yes (laughs) we are uh, we are in my office and you can see my movie wall behind me if you're watching on YouTube so uh, yeah yeah it's great to have Rob here in Mm -hmm. person. This is uh, this is fun. (laughs) The people have been clamoring for such a collaboration to happen so and it's finally here
1: yeah and it <laughs> might be a little easier to track our notes and talk about things since we're looking into one camera yes instead of... <laughs> <Yeah>. yes <indeed. laughs> oh man well we got an excellent
0: show for you uh we're going to talk about the box office of course and we're going to get to our top five movies of 2022. that's right it's down to a top five movies of 2022 and we're going to get after it of course we'll also do our watch list at the end you want to make sure you stay tuned for that and uh so let's get started yeah all right so box office what we have for results is for the fifth week in a row uh we have avatar the way of water at 32.8 million it is up over 564 million dollars domestically uh Megan comes in at number two for the second straight week, $18.3 million. Uh, Puss and Boots, The Last Wish, $14.5 million. This one is over $100 million. That's very impressive. Uh, A Man Called Otto in its first week of wide release, uh, but its third week overall, did $12.8 million, and... Following up that at number five is plain in its debut week at
1: 10.3 million. All right, Rob, what you got? So I think that Avatar is probably gonna make enough money for James Cameron for it to be successful. <laughs> um, especially it's amazing. Do, we're still not quite we at have, that point. Yet. Do we have the uh amount internationally? I, I don't have that one up, but I could look at okay. it. because it's got it's it's gotta be really high at this point. I would Yeah. think. Yeah. Um, the the biggest thing, though, for me in the box office is that Megan still made over was it was over 18 million dollars. Yeah, um, that's a good opening weekend for a lot of horror movies. So the fact that it's still doing that number uh, seems to indicate that the merger that we talked about between Atomic Monster and Blumhouse is yielding pretty uh, instant results.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's I mean, it seems like it's definitely a success on this front. Um, it's it's hard to imagine them being unpleased with the
1: yeah. results. And Megan. in fact, they already announced a sequel to Megan that's gonna be coming out uh March 2024, I believe is what I saw. Um, and it's gonna have the same main character and the same girl mm. who plays with the doll in the first movie. Mm. Um, are both coming back. And they actually uh Blum said that he talked about this movie having a sequel before it was even released Hmm. internally because he thought he had such high hopes for it and belief in it yeah that they would be doing a sequel for this which on the face of it in my opinion is pretty ambitious for a movie like this but it, it seems to bear out that their belief was
0: well placed and it's interesting, too, because I wasn't sure what to make of this, because there have been a number of wide, there have been a number of like doggos, rogue type mm-hmm. horror films before. So it would it's not like it's a brand new genre. I mean, there's a slightly more techie twist to it, but I I wasn't sure what i was going to do. So, I mean, you've yeah. got to be very pleased.
1: Yeah, I think they're tapping into that. Uh, general apprehension people seem to have of uh, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence going wild yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: for sure uh, i got the numbers basically this was from four days ago that the way of water passed 1.9 billion wow. in uh, global box office so by the end of this weekend it will absolutely be over 2 billion Just it's crazy which when, was his bare minimum yeah. benchmark to make money on this film
1: yeah but you crazy. think about the <laughs> the faith he had that it would get to this number um that he would put the effort and resources into it that he did yeah because there i think there was doubt from a fair amount of people that it would get to that kind of number worldwide yeah people were wondering if there would be an audience for it if there'd be people clamoring to see it and I mean, at least there are people going to see it at least once, a whole lot of people. Yeah. Um. I don't know if people are going back to see it or not, but it's making a ton of money. It is weird because the first
0: one had this feel of a cultural phenomenon. This one doesn't, yeah. yet it's still making a lot of money. So I'm not sure what to make of that. I'm not sure what to make of, it's not like everyone's talking about it and you're going around and everyone, oh, wait, why don't you see it? All? Yeah. You know, yeah. It's not that way, but it yeah. just looks like everyone just quietly went inside. I mean,
1: like when you can contrast it with a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once, like I heard people talking about that for oh, months. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely. You know, online and yeah, yeah, in yeah. person.
1: And I don't feel that way about this movie. No, no, definitely not.
0: So I'm surprised. I'm surprised it's making the money it is. Um, now, I think it has done better internationally uh then it's done domestically and i think maybe that's some of our reaction to that is based on in america they're just it's just a really big movie mm-hmm. and internationally it's huge um i'm not sure yeah yeah uh any other comments on the box
1: office um i mean gerard butler i saw an article this week that he has found his uh niche as the dad type figure Mm. in an uncomfortable circumstance (laughs) and i think his movies are just kind of going to be like this yeah like the the low to mid double figures for is gerard
0: butler the next gen liamies
1: uh it's a pretty high bar i don't know (laughs) indeed i don't know indeed (laughs) wow yeah uh um I was interested
0: to see what a man called Otto would do because it had a strange opening. It opened midweek a couple weeks ago, and then and then it was a more limited release uh, two weekends ago, and then last weekend we finally got its like debut, um, and it did pretty well overall. Um, I'm not sure what they were expecting out of that one, but I would imagine that um, basically 19 million in two and a half weeks is pretty good for that uh any other comments on that i don't okay uh so what is opening this weekend so this weekend we have uh several movies um some of them are around here i wasn't sure what to do with this because like a lot of the main releases that were on imdb are not playing in any of the theaters around here and i'm like that's really surprising and then there are movies that are in our theaters that weren't listed under Mm -hmm. the releases so i'm not sure about that but uh The main one I wanna highlight is Missing. And this is uh, the story of after her mother goes missing, a young woman tries to find her from home using tools available to her online. Uh, Now this is, um, I think technically it's the third movie from this director using the same concept. Uh, If you saw, um, was it 2018 or 2019 Searching? Where everything was done through the lens of technology. In other words, it was done, you were seeing a laptop screen, or you're seeing a phone screen, or you're seeing that you're not actually seeing anything except through the camera. And this is uh, basically the exact same same type of uh, feel to it, just uh, a different
1: plot this time.
0: Uh, did you see Surgey?
1: I did not. It looks very interesting, but I never actually got around to. Okay. It. Maybe I'll have to lend it too, since Yeah. Uh, I yeah. have it back on the shelf over yeah. here. <laughs> It'll be your recommendation for my movie last. Yes. yes. Yes.
0: Um, but that is, it was a really fascinating concept. Um, I wonder how much it can hold up over, over like multiple movies mm-hmm. like if it just becomes you know similar to the early m night Shyamalan where you have one trick mm-hmm. and then you just keep repeating that one trick so i'm over sure a and lot of again. the
1: success of the movie is down to the novelty of the yes. concept
0: yeah uh so that's one of them in the box office another one uh is that time i got
1: reincarnated as slime scarlet bond so, the only reason I know about this movie is because I saw a poster for it um, after I had seen, uh, actually, after I'd seen Megan mm. the other week. And we were walking out of the theater and I looked over and saw how I got reincarnated as flying. <laughs> and I was like, that sounds like a cool title. I don't know if I'll ever see that, but it sounds interesting. It's, it's interesting on twofold. One is,
0: this one is, like, not even listed on IMDb as releases, yet it's in both of our local, the- main local mm. theaters. Uh, so that's something. Also, it's apparently the second one. There was a 2018 one that was just, I lot the time I got reincarnated as slime. Mm. And this one is, I got reincarnated as slime colon Scarlet Bond. So I don't know what the difference is, but apparently it's, like, a sequel of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is basically corporate worker Mikami is stabbed by a random killer is reborn into an alternate world but he is reborn as slime. Okay. Bot twist.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is thrown into his into this new world with the name Rimuru he begins his quest to create a world that's welcoming to all races. Hmm. apparently you can do this as slime
1: sounds like big jello is behind this one
0: yeah yeah clearly big jello is behind it's it's an anime it's an anime movie and Mm. i think it does i think it does continue the trend of like increased anime box Mm -hmm. office presence yeah uh we've been seeing that over the last year and a half really since the box office has reopened anime has had a steady presence and it's done reasonably well Mm -hmm. i mean all things considered
1: yeah it it definitely has its own niche audience just like the horror genre Mm -hmm. does
0: yeah uh next one is when you finish saving the world uh this is uh julianne moore uh finn wolfhard billy burke and uh the story here is evelyn and her oblivious son ziggy seek out replacements for each other as Evelyn desperately tries to parent an unassuming teenager at her shelter while Ziggy fumbles through his pursuit of a brilliant young woman at school. Hmm. I'm not sure that really gives me anything on the plot there.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, sure mean, I Evelyn
1: trying to find a replacement for herself in the uh, everything, everywhere, all at once universe. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> 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 but uh yeah so that's that's that
0: particular movie this is another one i think that was in our local theaters but is not listed on imdb um and then the next one is alice darling and this one stars anna kendrick and this is a young woman trapped in an abusive relationship becomes the unwinning participant in intervention stayed by her staged by her two closest friends uh so that
1: is another one that sounds serious that sounds serious. maybe a little too serious yes probably <laughs> <laughs> so, so like there are some movies that you're like that sounds really good to watch uh, when i'm home alone by myself on a tuesday night and there's nothing else to do not so much uh going out to the theater and sitting yeah <laughs> watching it for two hours we'll talk about this
0: i had an encounter with a movie like that uh this past week where i was like this is too heavy (laughs) like at some point it becomes not entertainment you're just like why are you doing this to me
1: so i i (laughs) just had this conversation at work today my one coworker said that she and a group of her friends will often go on a trip once a year Mm. uh, like to the beach just the wives of the group and the one girl is always in charge of bringing movies and she said she inevitably brings something that just doesn't fit the vibe <laughs> of Girls' Weekend. And I asked her for an example, and she told me the boy in the striped pajamas was, was one of it. <laughs> and she said her friend insisted this has a happy ending. I remember it as a happy ending. It was not a happy ending. <laughs> um, and they're like, "Why did you make us watch that?" And <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be aware. This is a
0: trip. If you're gonna have somebody bring movies you have to trust the person's movie sense you have to have like a legitimate understanding of what they're going to choose
1: and there's a sense of timing too like you know and the group of people you're with Uh uh-huh you have to understand what kind of movie might appeal to someone yeah even if it's something you love it might not be something that i know they will enjoy when i'm having friends over like i'll try to tailor
0: the list of movies i'm going to give as an offering to the group the time place like the people mm-hmm. you know have a general sense of what their their likes and tastes are and yeah no you can't you can't go that way yeah <laughs> all right uh so the last one is called the sun and this is um starring Vanessa Kirby Hugh Jackman Laura Dern Anthony Hopkins and it is Peter in his, has his busy life with new partner Beth and their baby thrown into disarray when his ex-wife Kate turns up with their teenage son Nicholas. Family drama. Mm-hmm. Sounds dramatic.
1: I mean, Anthony Hopkins and huge Jackman. You know, you know, it's kind of like that combination. So
0: indeed, indeed, really good cast. This one is mm-hmm. also not in either of our hmm. theaters. Interesting. Look. So I'm not sure what to make of that. It was a very strange weekend for trying to pick out what movies are going to be in the box office. Uh, so of all those we'll recap them missing uh, that time I got reincarnated as slime saving bon- or Scarlet bomb when you finish saving the world Alice darling and the sun All right, if you have to go see any of them what are you going to see
1: if I could only choose one I would go see missing But I need to see the first one first yeah so mm-hmm. yeah I would
0: go see missing I want to see if that template still works uh in a different movie or if it was really just a one trick novelty Mm -hmm. um and there's some movies like that some movies you're like i saw that once i'm done Mm
1: -hmm. and then
0: there's some concepts you're like okay you did that concept and it's not as good the second time Mm -hmm. around um but we'll see yeah my missing would be the one that i would choose so all right uh one more uh, kind of story we got to hit over breaking in the last couple of days. Uh, Alec Baldwin has been officially charged with uh, involuntary uh, manslaughter. I think it's involuntary manslaughter mm-hmm. uh, over the Rust shooting. If you recall this, uh, we covered this story when it first broke uh, on the set of an indie western Rust. Um, Alec Baldwin was given a prop gun. And he promptly fired it. It was loaded with legitimate bullets and it killed the cinematographer and wounded the director. Um, This has been a big controversy coming down. Um, There was lots of investigation, lots of recriminations as to how could this happen, what could happen, all these type of things. Um, And so we're waiting to see what would happen if anything legally. And so that information now has come out uh involuntary manslaughter uh alec baldwin has been charged with that uh the armor had also been charged with um i think almost the exact same charges um and the assistant director who was involved in this as well uh did some kind of plea deal so i'm not sure what the results on that are um alec baldwin uh has since uh, through his attorneys has issued a statement that said it was uh, to paraphrase this said it was ridiculous and it's a miscarriage of justice and he is intent on fighting this um it's a really complicated story and i'm not sure i'm not sure how to parse it legally i'm not an expert in mm-hmm. nevada law or or in the inner workings of the legal system or or the inner workings of the movie industry as to who's actually responsible for this so basically it comes down to Alec Baldwin said he was handed a gun and actors don't normally test the gun themselves. Mm-hmm. We've heard some other instances of people saying, no, they do test the gun. So what do you make of this?
1: I mean, I think as the producer, the kind of top line responsibility resides with him. Um, I don't know it. Like I, like you said, I don't know enough about the law to say if this is, yeah you know, the correct decision or not, but um there was nothing positive that was going to come out (laughs) of this situation. This uh there there are so many people who share some of the blame Mm -hmm. in this. So I'm not really sure in a moment like that what justice looks like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's really hard. I mean, in my reading of the case, if I were to assign blame, I would put primary blame on the armor. Because that's your job. <laughs> like your job is to deal with the firearms. But you can't, I wouldn't absolve Alec Baldwin either, because like you're the one with the gun, you're the one firing it. Ultimately, mm-hmm. it's you know, there's some level of making sure that everything is the way it goes because you're the one firing it. Like, but I understand a lot of times on on your job, like you trust the people you work with. You know, I mean, if I int- I've never been skydiving, but I intend to try it sometime. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to check the parachute because I don't know how to pack a parachute. Yeah, you know, it's a little different situation. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming the person who packed my parachute knows what they're doing and isn't screwing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say. But...
1: Uh, there is another news story that you didn't have in the show notes that I think just came out yesterday actually that said um regal is planning on closing 39 theaters Mm. um coming up here in the new year they're not going to renew leases Mm. um some of these are like major theaters in fact the majority of them are one space in major cities like there's a regal in new york city there's a regal in Miami, um etc i'm sure there are several in each of those cities but at least one of each of them is shutting down um because still being impacted by the reality of the fact that they went almost two years without being able to make money yeah from movies so it's still having uh, an after effect yeah um but i do think that when that kind of thing happens it does tend to be the bigger ones that are looked at as far as closing just because the expenses involved in mm-hmm. the lease amounts etc are going to be much higher yeah. in a city's situation than they would be in like a lancaster or york Sure. Or, yeah, the smaller town somewhere.
0: The one in New York City, if it's the one I'm I'm thinking about, is right around the corner from Times Square. Mm-hmm. Like it's basically in Times Square. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the real estate there is yeah. ridiculous yeah. in terms of cost. And maybe they're just not seeing the benefit there. I've been wondering because I've seen even around here, I've seen a Regal cut back on some of their show times, like mm-hmm. not do afternoons mm-hmm. or not do late night showings and just have a much more limited run. I was you know, I was curious as to whether that was going to be company wide or not. Um, but it looks like it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I was kind of questioning some of Regal's business practices through the pandemic and some of their decisions that they were making, like, is this the smartest thing? But you never know. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see how they come out. I mean, this is not the first time Regal has had um, issues that could potentially have uh taken them down they were sold i think i want to say like mid-2000s mm-hmm. or somewhere along that like yeah, bankrupt and a company yeah, bought them out yeah or, this
1: is related to cineworld which have bought them having their own bankruptcy issues so yeah yeah so we'll see um how this affects the
0: larger movie chain and the larger movie world because uh, they are as interconnected as they are but yeah we'll see how it goes uh, I do know that they have not been upgrading the theater in Lancaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they did some upgrades. I want to say seven or eight, you know, six or seven years ago, they had done some upgrades to the theater. Mm-hmm. And those upgrades are starting to wear Yeah, <laughs> and, and they're not seeing it. Not really seeing it. Yeah. Fixed.
1: I, I can say that where I live in York, the um, theater I've been going to, which is a, uh, it's called Frank it's Queensgate mm-hmm. uh, theater has been, it's a much just a much better experience than the regal yeah yeah i've been a frank a few times Mm -hmm. it's a nice theater or at least it was Mm -hmm.
0: so yeah yeah interesting okay and then one final just quick note um it looks like tron is a go the third tron is going to be a go it's supposed to be a sequel it's going to star jared leto this has been on again off again for years now Uh, But apparently it is back on. And I'm not surprised because Disney also announced Mm. there's going to be a Tron roller coaster at Disney coming out. Which sounds amazing. Which does sound fantastic. Yeah. And so it makes perfect sense that if you're going to launch a new ride at Disney that you want to company it with an actual movie.
1: They've got a have some kind of way to include daft punk music yes, in this
0: yes ride. i mean you've got to get these guys out of retirement for really? this or at least get one of them yeah <laughs> i mean that soundtrack was amazing yes yeah. so 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 good so it will not be the same Yeah, and if,
1: i mean if i know anything about disney and how they build stuff uh i i would say that's a very high likely mm-hmm. that something like that will happen
0: yeah yeah, so we'll see. Uh, I am, I've been begging for them to make another one now. The first one, the, the Tron Legacy came out in 2010. So I've been wanting another um, one of these since 2010. And it looks like we're going to get one, probably. All right, so now we get on to uh, our number one thing we want to focus on, our discussion for the week. The second part of our discussion of the top movies of 2022. N- movies five through one. Uh, so if you joined us last week uh if you want to hear us talk about our honorable mentions and numbers six or ten through six uh you can check out last week's podcast but real quickly let's uh let's just we won't have to talk about it but let's just go mm-hmm. through each of our lists from from 10 through six before we get into um our next one uh so what did you have down for your uh for your why don't you just read your last 10 6.
1: so from 10 to 6 i had pray the bad guys glass onion guillermo del toro's pinocchio and the northman were my 10 9 8 7 and 6. Mm-hmm. uh for me it was uh 10 was
0: operation mincemeat nine was nope uh, eight was glass onion seven was all quiet on the western front six was elvis uh and that's where we're at all right all right so now we get into the top five our five best movies i wonder how many of ours are going to be same i know there's at least one or two that won't
1: so i uh you already mentioned so let's go ahead and start uh you already mentioned nope at number nine and for me that was number five yes okay so um i really appreciate uh jordan peele's style cinematically Mm -hmm. and just his sense of humor he has said in interviews that he thinks he has such a good eye for horror because it has a lot to do with humor. It's the same mm-hmm. aspect because you're in both genres you're setting up something that's a surprise and then yeah dwelling on the emotion of that mm-hmm. like trying to create sparks of moments with people. And I really like this movie a lot, I think mm-hmm. um maybe in some other years it'll be higher than five but I just have some other movies I like better. And um, I think it's certainly unsurprising was in your top 10 as well. But the reality is it's not going to be as high on some people's lists as it is on mine, just because Mm -hmm. I tend to kind of lean into this subgenre a little bit more. And although it's not a straight horror movie, there are definitely enough elements in it where Mm -hmm. it would um, give some people pause probably yeah i think it's interesting i
0: i put it on my list because it was it's the most accessible one for non non-horror people mm-hmm. um but i wonder if that if some of the reasons why it got some uneven reactions is because it wasn't as much horror um i wonder if that was an issue for some of the people who have been fans of him
1: but yeah all right what do you have all right number five, number
0: five i have the northman i think this was further down that was number list. six
1: for me so yep.
0: Uh, for me, the Northmen, um, mainly it was a cinematic achievement, like the visuals, the settings, the world. It's visceral. It's a visceral world. And you're following this guy on his tale of of revenge. And it's really is a tragedy. It's like a tragedy story, like in the in the formal literary sense, it's a tragedy. And to watch it unfold and to watch it happen and the just the brutality of it. Um, it is, it is a, from what I understand is a masterpiece of Viking culture storytelling. Mm. Like you, you have to like the detail they put into the Viking mythology and what was happening during that particular period is very evident in that movie. I do not have a huge knowledge of of Mm. Viking history, but, um, you get the sense that they're really hammering in on all the details. Um, as I watched it a second time, the uh, the amount of things that hit me like it's a heavy movie. It is there's a weight to it. There's mm-hmm. a real weight to it, and it is not as watchable and as accessible um as many other movies are, which is why it did not have a super mm-hmm. uh, great. Well, I think we books. we said when it
1: came out, we had the feeling that it would yeah. not make a lot of money. Yeah, with that, it would be really beautiful to look at and brutal and i think it was all of that and, yeah um it's it's not a movie that like i said last week you just i'm like well i don't have anything to do what should i do let's watch the northman like <laughs> yeah. there has to be intention intentionality yeah. behind mm-hmm. watching this kind of movie
0: yeah you have to be in the mood for it uh because it is something <laughs> it really is
1: something all right. What do you get? For uh, you number, four? number four for me is Top Gun Maverick. And okay. I think I said this last week that I think um, regardless of the fact that I have it listed at number four, I think it was probably the most impactful movie of the year in that mm-hmm. it got people back to the theater. I think a lot of people who had not gone to movies in a while came to see that. And I think it had a carryover effect yeah. throughout the rest of the year that they went and saw some other movies, too. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie really surprised me. Yeah uh this is a movie i I feel like i could probably this in contrast to northman i kind of feel like i could watch top Gun maverick anytime (laughs) yeah yeah i I think it it just feels it feels good like makes you feel good Mm -hmm. um if i if i had to describe it really simply it 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 really feels a lot like a 90s late 80s early 90s action movie yeah but it's set in the modern era and i think that's a really impressive achievement Mm -hmm. i think that's really hard to make that happen to some of the callbacks they had some of the scenes that were similar to the first movie they didn't feel forced or cheesy Mm -hmm. like they and and that is uh, a pretty high bar something that's difficult yeah pull off so uh, i mean i i could see anyone arguing for it being anywhere in the top five Mm -hmm. honestly but just for me it's very much personal preference that i have a few movies out of it because I think it's, in my opinion, any of my number mm-hmm. one through number four really could be in my top four. So, yeah. And while we're talking about it, it's in my top five as well. I'll tell you
0: where when we get to it, but why might as well talk about it now. And I'll give a, you know, brief synopsis when we get there. But um, it was, it was probably the most watchable movie this year that it, it appealed to the broadest base possible. The question going into Top Gun Maverick was will it capture a new audience as well as get the the original audience on board? And that's a very difficult thread to to weave. Mm-hmm. And to do it so unbelievably successfully is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely remarkable. And uh, I was, I was, I talked about a couple of weeks ago. I, I was listening to this podcast um, and they were doing a three part interview with Chris McQuarrie, who has worked with uh, Tom Cruise on a number of things from Jack Reacher to the recent Mission Impossible movies. And he was describing what it was like to work with Tom. And hearing him talk about this, uh, you really do get the sense that Tom Cruise is understand cinema perhaps more than almost anybody out there. Mm -hmm. And that's a remarkable testament. It's not something you necessarily think of when you think of Tom Cruise, but his understanding of story and his understanding of the movie industry and what people want and his ability to be flexible and adapt is is really remarkable. And all of that came to fruition uh, with Top Gun Maverick. Uh, So number four for me is Death on the Nile. Hmm. um I just I do love murder mysteries I've enjoyed uh Kenneth Branagh as Poirot um this one is this one uh I loved it more the second time Hmm. than I did the first time and I liked it the first time it just felt the first time like it took him so long to get to like the mystery Hmm. (laughs) to get to the mystery to get into the details of it um but I do love that classic murder mystery and I think these are um the best ones out there. And I did like Death on the Nile better than I liked Glass Onion. Hmm. So because of that, I had to put Death on the Nile ahead of Glass mm-hmm. Onion. I had Glass Onion down at number eight. So it was Death on the Nile was going to be ahead of it. Um I just I just liked
1: it better. So I, I I had glass onion at number eight and Death on the Nile on honorable mentions because for me yeah. it was the opposite yeah. I liked glass onion. Mm-hmm more but um it's a it's a great movie i just think it's um in some ways some of the other movies we talked about it's just very much a slow burn it is type of movie and it's that makes it inaccessible for some people mm-hmm. um it took a while I, to get going. i enjoyed watching it yeah um i have not seen it since it came out i should probably watch it again
0: yeah um, on a couple of different streamings but
1: shops. yeah it's it's definitely a movie where it's worth checking out mm-hmm. in my opinion um Number three, I had everything, everywhere, all at once. As did I. <laughs> <laughs> Very and, nice. Um, I don't even know what to say about this movie. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, this movie is insane. I It has to be seen. It. You you
0: cannot adequately describe the experience of watching this movie. It has to be seen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah it's just, uh, it's a ride. It is. From start to finish. There are so many mm-hmm. moments that make you go, what? and uh it's also a very very funny movie which going into it i did not like all i had heard about was like the the paradigm shifts like the yeah jumping between universes etc so i didn't realize it was also a comedy yeah and there are some moments in this movie that are like funnier than things i've seen in a lot of movies it what it does well is it embraces
0: chaos and it embraces the absurd Mm-hmm. like you have to know that going into this movie is embrace the chaos and it and embrace the absurd because um that is what it's about
1: so I, I it makes me think I'm, I'm just started rereading a book and thinking about this movie like spiritually it it, it very much resides in the same realm as like douglas adams mm. Hitchhiker's mm-hmm. Guide to the Galaxy yeah I can just see that, that like yeah, everything yeah, yeah, yeah. is mm-hmm. off the wall like nothing yeah. is straightforward mm-hmm. um visually this is a lot like that writing style if that makes sense like yeah. there's just a around every corner it seemed there was something brand new mm-hmm. you're like oh this makes sense in the context of the movie but I had no idea they were going to go there yeah for this
0: thing yeah there are I mean the phallus uh, obsession is uh, <laughs> more than a little over the top um, in this movie. Uh, but it is, if you're willing to sit back and just enjoy the ride, it is fantastically entertaining. And they managed to do a pretty good job keeping you up with the story despite the chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, one of the techniques, which I talked about recently, they do that with is the main character doesn't know what's going on any more than you do and so you are figuring things out at the same time Michelle Yeoh's character is and so as that is coming you do feel like you're along for the ride with the movie not like you're trying to figure it out as it storms past you Mm -hmm. so that's tough especially in a movie with this much going on uh but some very interesting acting
1: performance yeah yeah um anything else on that one I think I'm good on that one. You got everything everywhere? I got it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, my number two was listed further down on your list also, and that was Elvis.
0: Mm. And
1: mm-hmm. I love music movies Yeah. You know, for obvious reasons. And I cannot say I went into this movie um, as an Elvis fan. Yeah. But I think one of the things that has this movie so high on my list is that I feel like I left the movie as an Elvis fan. Mm. Uh, I did not realize some of the depth lyrically that he had in his songwriting Mm -hmm. Um, and looking at some of those songs up and the context of them after seeing this movie and seeing some of the stories behind his performances and how, how soulful he was about some of these things, how emotionally impacted he was by some of his world. Um, I think there's a disservice to the people who are born in my generation mm. that we really only knew Elvis as the fat lounge singer in Las Vegas. It's <laughs> kind of a cartoonish yeah, character. Like the character yeah, caricature of himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think we really had an appreciation for what he was. And there's a reason why he sold so many records. Mm-hmm. Um, and Austin Butler is just, I mean, you can't, it, it, right up there with Randy Malik and, mm. and Bohemian Rhapsody, it's hard to play. A character like that, much better. Yeah, in my opinion. Um. So I have uh, Elvis number two. Interesting. Okay. And uh, this is another one that was much lower
0: on your list for me. At number two is Bullet Train. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the most fun at the theater this year watching Bullet Train because it's just it it brought together several things that I really really like and really really enjoy. Um, one, it's the um the kind of uh, Guy Ritchie style dialogue mm-hmm. and brought in with like Brad Pitt Ocean's movie era humor that he brings to it, along with like a Japanese action aesthetic and and visual aesthetic. all of those all of those things combine to make it like, an extremely enjoyable experience for me so i liked it more i know that this one will not be as high on other people's list because objectively there are some issues but like it took too long to get to the end <laughs> like the ending the ending is 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 a little bit of a mess but it is it is a really really fun movie it's kind of i've said this it's kind of like quentin tarantino meets guy Ritchie, mm-hmm. and and that's a that's a cool that's a cool juxtaposition to be able to pull off uh, so i really enjoyed that yeah i
1: would say undeniably it was very enjoyable and i think i said this the other week too if i had a chance to watch it a few more times it might have mm-hmm. ended up higher on my list but i only got to see it one time yeah before the end of the year i
0: actually still haven't managed to watch yeah. it again yet yeah. either because i'm behind on stuff but i just had that good of an experience watching it that it may, it, it came with a list higher
1: so much like you and uh, Bullet Train and you talking about how it's high high on your list because, you know, you, you tend to like a certain style. Yeah. Um, My number one movie is very much like that for me. And I think it would probably not be number one on many people's mm-hmm. lists. But um, I, re- I rewatched it again last night and I felt even more affirmed in my opinion. OK. The Menu was my mm-hmm. favorite movie of the year still have not gotten around um, to in the menu i need to Rafe, don't call me ralph yeah. is uh <laughs> he's just phenomenal mm. in this movie um you believe with every ounce of your bite, he's this character yeah and he plays this egotistical passionate driven chef and if you've ever worked in any level in the kitchen You don't have to have worked at like the highest (laughs) level. You understand the mentality of some of these people. Yeah. And his restaurant basically only opens like once a year. They Mm -hmm. It's on an island. They spend the whole year planning the menu, getting everything ready. Mm. Everything is served a certain way for a certain reason. And the movie takes a turn about 45 minutes through that changes everything. It looked like it was going to be that type of movie. I would say that it is and I've talked to a few other people who've seen this movie and liked it that I would not classify as a horror movie because I don't think they're out to fool you at any point it didn't have a horror vibe it had it had kind of like but it has a is a very it's a very dark thriller Mm -hmm. um like my wife watched with me last night for the first time and she she said something that made me realize like this is why this is so effective because she doesn't usually watch that kind of movie but there was a scene and things were happening in the scene things something was setting up and she she was able to pick out something bad is about to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so it does a really good job of building those moments of tension in you that you're like I can feel something yeah. is coming and then something does mm-hmm. come. and um Anya Taylor-Joy is in this and she is fantastic as well. Um you, th- you think you know kind of who these people are and where they're coming from, why they're at this restaurant, but then everything shifts and it all changes towards the end of the movie. And um, in some ways, it's, cert- it's not as dark as Joker, mm. but in some ways I kind of got the same feeling. Like, mm. yeah, I understand why someone would feel this way and they would... Um, commit to the actions that the chef does mm. but you know just sending that message is that sending that message out to people like <laughs> really positive <laughs> uh thing do we really need that but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i i just think it's really a pretty exquisite piece of art and that's why for me it's the top movie of the year and i would mm. definitely recommend Watching the menu, if you yeah, that's absolutely kind of on
0: my list. It's absolutely on my list, and that's that's one of the things. Is like this year was an odd year in that most years I would say, like most of the movies that we have on our lists, we've all, we've seen them all. But this was such a weird movie year that, and my schedule was like that too, where there's some stuff I just didn't see. <laughs> um, so for me, my number one, of course, since we haven't talked about it yet. Uh, from that is obviously uh, top gun maverick and i would say the reason why it's number one for me is that it is it is the movie that combined all of the aspects um it was eminently watchable it appealed to a very very broad audience it was exceptionally well done and it had a giant impact at the box office at American cinema, everyone wanted to see this movie. Mm-hmm. It was the cultural talking point, and so once I factor all of those in, I have to put it at number one. Um, and I think it deserves—I think it deserves serious Oscar consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies like this normally don't, <laughs> uh, but it's an interesting year, so I'm wondering mm-hmm. uh, with the impact of it if it will. So that's why I have Maverick.
1: Yeah, you'd probably deny it, to you if you asked him to his face. But um, when a movie can make my friend Keith, who's what you have seen make an appearance (laughs) in this podcast, actually shed a real physical human tear, then uh, (laughs) you know that it was pretty effective emotionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I wrote a big,
0: long review of it when it came out. It's not a perfect movie. And I pointed out some of the issues that I had with it. But uh, the overall impact it had and how good it was... And how difficult it is to revisit a very, very popular movie decades later and not only get all the original fans on board, but to bring everyone else along with it is is remarkable. Mm -hmm. All right, that is our top 10 movies of 2022, and we'll try to get this up on the website as well uh, so that we can... Uh, You can read over our thoughts on it, and uh, we will, of course, be revisiting the top movies come Oscar time, because certainly there will be other movies that creep into this conversation once we talk about what gets nominated and all those type of things. We'll be back to revisit these soon. Um, Now let's move on to our watch list, movies that we've
1: watched over the last week and what we thought about them. Rob. So I did say that I watched The Menu again last night, and I've already given my thoughts <laughs> on that. Um, I've also watched two more movies on my meandering through people giving me recommendations mm-hmm. throughout the year, trying to watch at least one a week. Um, I watched Moliere, which is a French movie mm. about an actor or playwright who is struggling with wanting to perform serious theater, and mm-hmm. he's known for comedy, mm-hmm. and so... It starts there and then kind of does a flashback to where he was 15 years ago and where mm. how he ended up where he is now. And it's a quite humorous period piece. It certainly would not be something everyone would like. You do have to read. It's in French. <laughs> That's in subtitles. Yep. Um, I also watched As Above, So Below, which mm. is a horror movie um, based around the French catacombs, mm-hmm. which is just like a really fascinating thing for me in general. And it's a found footage movie. Okay. So um it's along the lines of like chronicle or cloverfield mm-hmm. um obviously when you hear found footage and horror you think Blair Witch Project right but, right um I would say this was a lot more stylistic okay than that um there's a few different camera effects that are used mm. I didn't feel like uh nauseous or dizzy or anything okay. like with them they did a good job of mixing things together um so that you got an idea of what was happening but there was still a sense of um fear like the last half an hour of the movie is just kind of goes off the rails yeah um in a good way if you like scary things um and then i also saw um i saw megan back on the 13th so okay um i i enjoyed that quite a bit i'm very interested to see what they do with the sequel Mm. to it because it did seem like a very self-contained story in my opinion um but I can see why it has made the amount of money has made. It's a very well done Mm -hmm. movie. And I'm not surprised based on the people who are behind it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, So the first thing I watched this week was Star Trek Generations. And I have, I've, I've re-upped on my subscription to Paramount Plus. And so I've been watching through the series, Star Trek, The Next Generation. And so I wanted to go back through the movies So just kind of get one of the things I wanted to get a feel for is uh, how they did things differently between a series. And obviously you have series budget versus movie budget, but you're dealing, especially in the first movie, you're dealing with like the same ship, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's the same enterprise. And so how do you, how do you make it feel like a movie feel bigger, despite the fact that you have the same cast and you have the same ship? That you were using on the series. And so what was really interesting, what they did is a lot of it had to do with lighting. The lighting was very, very different in the movie than what you would see in the typical episode of the show. Um, there's one scene where like they really play up the fact that they are orbiting a star, and so you're getting like major, like major sunlight wash over that. There was it was darker, the lighting, the lighting was. Uh, darker and more ambient lit lighting, as opposed to the standard lighting you saw in the series. So that was one of the things that I that I was looking for is just how they made it feel bigger and how they made it feel different. Um, it was it was a little faster paced in terms of how they move things out, uh, and of course you have better special effects. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the biggest things. You have a bigger budget, you get better special effects. Um, so that was that was the kind of things I watched for there. And then I did make it to the theaters and saw A Man Called Otto. And it was an interesting experience. It really was. Um, I, this, I've this i read some of his other books, but I have not read this one. So I did not necessarily, I had a general feel for what it was going to be. Um, and I wouldn't say it turned out different, but this movie was unexpectedly very very heavy Hmm. very heavy um and i think overly so what i would say overly so in that i think it was a lot of it came down to director's choices and editing there are three main and one partial scenes that i'm referring to and I, without, I don't want to give away like the substance of the scenes because that kind of gives mm-hmm. away some of the movie, but they let you as the audience linger on these very heavy scenes for a very long time. And there were three of them throughout the movie. What that left you with is just like a huge weight on you as you're watching this story the whole time. And then there is a payoff at the end, but the payoff is not enough and not long enough to overcome the weight of the rest of the movie. So you leave the movie still kind of in a weight and in a funk about it. And you're not supposed to, Mm. I don't think. I don't think you're supposed to. I think you're supposed to... You know, it's a story of character development when the character comes out on the other side, like it's supposed to be like this grand moment of glorious moment of like, hey, redemption and all this type of stuff. And you just you don't get there the whole way because of how heavy of it. It doesn't balance. Mm -hmm. And and so that I think to me takes away from what they were trying to achieve with the movie like I said, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if the book does a better job of making that balance. And it was just the way the director's choices were that created that element. But that's, I would say, my main critique. So it was much heavier than I anticipated. All right. You got anything else? I don't. All right. Well, that is the show. Thank you for joining us on the Film for Fans podcast. And we're glad that we got to do this person to person. And uh Hopefully we'll get to do it again. Um, Make sure you check out filmforfans.com where we have lots of content on there and more to come and uh, tell your friends and we will talk to you next time. Until then, enjoy the movies.